Hello, this is Crispin Sanford, and this is another episode of Unsolicited Advice. So today we have a very special guest, somebody I've been uh, watching and has been uh, listening to me speak and watching me speak and commenting on the things I have to say uh, in a group that we're both members of, uh, the Knowledge Business Blueprint. Um, we sp- we've, we've had a couple of conversations, one more recently, um, but she agreed to be a guest on the podcast. Um, Lisa Marie Pepe, please tell us about yourself. good um it seems like we agree uh, on on a point here um i always tell people that i focus on business organization uh, and how that will help people to succeed and, and i love doing that but the point i'm making is that you can address all these other areas but you focus on confidence and how you can help people establish confidence they need to succeed and then you can help them in all these other areas is that right well, wonderful. Good. You know, I've, I, I, well, not surprisingly, we agree on a pretty fundamental key thing for business. So, um, so, you know, what do you think you might can typically do then in your, you know, the overall steps of, of how you do, because now we know why you do what you do. You love it. It helps people um, to succeed online in particular because they build their confidence, etc. But, but how do you do that? Like, what are the overall stages that you take people through? Foremost, I'm a huge proponent of identifying what the problem is or what the problems are because we cannot fix what we're unwilling to acknowledge. And, you know, so often I find that um, the women I've worked with, and I say women because it's primarily women, although I've had a few passionate and purpose-driven men that I've had the privilege to coach as well, um, we have to first, and I do say we because it's a team effort. Right, um, right. We have to figure out where are those 
happy, healthy, successful, wealthy, all those things. Right. And more often than not, it does stem from childhood. And it's not necessarily a parent's doing. Uh, We have many role models as we're growing up, whether that's parents, teachers, even peers that are same age as us, um, coaches. You know, I know my own coaches in middle school and high school were very, very um, influential in some of the problems I had as a young adult. And, you know, so not to uh, get on a tangent, but it is important to identify, right? So the first step we do is I I have my clients write down their list of irrational beliefs or fears. And often we get things like, um, I'm not smart enough to speak on camera. Um, I, you know, I don't deserve to be paid well because I just, I don't think that I'm smart enough. Um, I, I'm not pretty enough, right? Who's going to want to look at me on camera? I get, so these are all their fears, right? Sure. Sure. What What if I succeed? What if I fail? Quick, quick question. Um, This is a big area, I think, with people. Even people that want to improve their lives and improve themselves and and are open to improvements. I wonder, do you run into where there are those people who want to think everything right? Oh, everything's great. Oh, don't be so negative. Oh, I don't don't list any problems because I don't don't acknowledge those things. What do you do with somebody like that, just since we're on on this matter? occasionally but I like to think I'm very open um, in my own storytelling and in my own sharing on my social media and in my posts and I never pretend to have everything all together and to be someone who has no problems never has a bad day never gets angry never cries never feels afraid so I believe because of that And this is why I love coaching versus therapy, because I've done therapy, both as a patient and a therapist. And so I see the difference now in coaching. And I love that in coaching, I can share my experiences with other people. And it doesn't change the dynamic, whereas with, you know, being a mental health worker or a therapist, you really are not supposed to share anything personal. Right. Um, Right, because it, and it, and I see how I see how effective it is in marketing to reveal your failings, to discuss the difficulties, because people then go, "Wow, he really knows what it's like. He's been there, and he came out of it." So I think he could probably help me because he did it. So so I think he can help me do it. Right, exactly, and that's why I love coaching. So yeah, on occasion, I've come across people who will tell me things like. Well, I'll say, well, why aren't you at the success level that you say you want to be at, right? Yeah. And they'll say, well, I don't really know. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. I work hard and I do everything right. And okay, well, let's, let's dig a little deeper, shall we? Right? I love to dig a little deeper. Um, I would say that I'm pretty good at actually extracting that from people, you know, because I, I'm, I am empathic. I will, I know how to do you know, um, active listening, reflective listening, where I'm really taking it in. And then when it's appropriate, sort of just, you know, inputting here and there. And a lot of my clients are willing to be vulnerable and raw, tell me things that this is what I get a lot. I get this from strangers too, which is, I don't know why I'm even telling you that I've never told anybody. I get that a lot. Right, right, right. Me too. Me too. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's just an empath thing. It's a it's a body language thing. It's a voice thing. Um, and I always tell people, you know, because people are embarrassed to the things they, they struggle with, even though so many of us do. I mean, my own experiences with depression and anxiety and, you know, and yet, you know, I'll, I'll meet a client and maybe it's the second session and they'll be like, well, you know, I, I, I was diagnosed with depression and, and you know, and, and I could hear the timid, timidness in their voice. And what I often say is, given the circumstances that you've already told me about, the fact that you're depressed is actually not abnormal at all. Sure. And I think that's what happens when people feel, they feel isolated and they feel defective, right? Like, what's wrong with me? Why am I depressed? I have nothing to be depressed about. Why am I anxious? I don't have anything to be anxious about. And then you start digging a little bit deeper and you realize... Ah, okay. So that was started when you were, you know, ten, and you heard your parents fighting about money, and you know, whatever it is. Right. Um, but their willingness to share and be open, I believe, is what opens the door to endless possibilities of success and happiness and wealth and whatever they desire to have. Um, and that's the part I really do love. I love digging in and just like let's just call it out and you know, whatever it is, let's work through that. Let's figure out who we have to forgive. Let's figure out what we have to do, what we have to say, how we have to change our language about ourselves. Right. Um, that's a huge thing. Now, is that a second step in the process or is that yeah. part of the first? Okay, yeah, okay. Sorry, sorry. No worries, no worries. I, I figured you moved on, but I, I was like, you know, wanted to call yeah, our attention yeah. to it. Yeah, so step one is definitely to identify, right? Identify the fears. Um, and if possible, even identify where they're from. And I say that because I believe forgiveness is sort of like the secondary part of this first step. Big time, Um, big time. Yes, absolutely. Because you take ownership over it then. Because you go, you know what, this was a bad thing, but hey, you know what, on my part, I forgive them or, you know, I I find a way to understand what factors might be involved in them doing it. Um, But ultimately, I've got to take responsibility for my journey and that's got to take responsibility for the fact that they did this, it happened, but I forgive them. And it is a part of a journey, I think, to taking responsibility for your forward progress and moving on and getting out of it. Very much so. And I know that from personal experience. I know that, you know, you can want to blame everyone. You can even want to blame yourself and hold yourself prisoner. But you have to be willing to forgive, again, not for the other person necessarily, depending on, you know, whatever's happened, but for yourself. You have to take ownership of your life. And the clients that I've been able to help have all been willing to move from victim mentality to taking back their personal power and, you know, not allowing that other person or place or institution or whatever it was to dictate or to control their current life situation. Bingo. Now, is it a two-part process, or are there other parts to it, or is that essentially the process? Yeah, so no, I mean, it is essentially the process. That's right? good, but that's good. Hey, <laughs> I'm like, it yeah, sounds yeah, done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's done, right? So, right, so that is, that's, that is like the majority, that like we really got to figure this stuff out, and then, you know, moving through it is so much easier, I feel, than actually discovering it and looking at it and calling it out. Sure. Because right? nobody wants to look. It's scary, it could be painful. 
But again, we can't heal. I mean, can't heal, but we can't acknowledge. So there is a a, a third step, actually. And that is to really look at the language we use with ourselves. Like neuralistic, is it neuro-linguistic programming like that stuff? Okay. Absolutely. So the amount of times in a day, if someone has a real negative mindset and they feel poorly about themselves, I guarantee you their internal dialogue is not very kind. And this is, again, where we, all of us, have to be willing to say, okay, that person or that whatever may have called me these names or told me I wasn't good enough or showed me I wasn't good enough by, you know, punishing me or whatever. And it's like, right. But then those people left or they're not even around anymore and you picked up and continue the internal battle. Yeah. And that is where we really get into trouble with ourselves. So I will have my clients make a list even, you know, we'll we'll do something like a little pairing of an activity, for example, even a solid rubber band, right? Tie that around your wrist for a couple of days. We just want to monitor our thoughts, right? Monitor the internal dialogue. So someone goes to work and I don't know they they accidentally spill coffee on their papers and right, right away that automatic thought is, oh my God, I'm such a klutz. I mess up everything, right? Okay, so let's let's just, let's, let's give it a tick mark. All right, chat that down, right? And then lunchtime rolls around and you go in the break room and someone brought in some extra special goodies and you told yourself you were going to eat well and you have a goodie and you go, I'm such a failure. I can't even stand a diet. Right? Right. Tick, right? So we want to monitor how many times per day someone is really using some negative, harsh internal dialogue because most people are not aware of it. They're not aware of the things they say and how what they say internally is reflected back to them externally. Yeah, it's so funny you bring this up because there's a, a friend I have. I've known him for probably you know, say about 20 years or so. Um, and a very successful guy. He, at the moment, he always posts on Facebook, he posts pictures of space, like nebulas and stars. And, you know, he's, he's always maintained this big scope, you know. And I remember he was delivering a presentation on, on business and success in business. And one of the things that he emphasized, he says, whenever you have a negative thought, you got to catch it right there and turn it around. You know, he said, because the only way you will become free, right, is by catching those thoughts and addressing them immediately and getting in the habit of addressing them. I have been doing that ever since. I mean, because, I mean, I've always been working on myself, I think, as a general rule, um, pretty much, you know, uh, I grew up in an environment, you know, my mother studied criminology and psychology and poetry and so observation and analysis was just a part of growing up you know and she she always wrote poetry and I liked writing poetry but at that moment I was like wow and I started catching my thoughts uh, as a part of the KBB program you get the ultimate edge from from um, Tony Robbins and in that he talks about the same thing and I was going like wow I need to be even more intensively observant to the emotions negative emotions 
And I was like, it's not just negative thoughts, it's those negative emotions. You've got to catch yourself and turn those around, take responsibility for them and turn them around. And I found that exceptionally helpful. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, and I share this as someone who, you know, I used to suffer from panic attacks. I mean, that was probably the majority of my 20s and my very early 30s. Um, I had severe panic attacks, a lot of anxiety. And then I became afraid of feeling afraid, right? You get anxious about the anxiety, right? You're like, oh my God, I'm calm right now, but what if I get anxious, right? right? And that was that was my daily, my you know, just like my MO. I mean, you know, I, I, and I didn't know if that would ever end. And it was awful. I mean, even with therapy and medication, it, I tried it all. And even then, there were times where it just, I couldn't, I just couldn't control that worry or that anxiety. And so I look at my life now, and it's not that I don't ever have a care or a worry. I have a lot actually to be worried about, um, some family stuff and everything happening. But I know myself well enough now to be able to, like you were just saying, catch the thought which evokes the emotion and not to pretend it's not there. Right. Okay. It's like we were talking earlier. You're not denying yeah. the existence of it when it's yeah. valid, yeah. but but you're just yeah. taking out the sting and the to hold yourself exactly. down. Exactly. And so, you know, it's like night and day. You know, back then I would feel a panic attack come on and right away my whole, my mind would just un just come undone essentially you know it's like oh my god oh my god oh my god like can you start worrying about everything and if anybody's ever had one they suck i mean they're not fun at all you know your, your heart beats fast you feel like you can't breathe and now i know that even if i feel a little bit nervous or or anxious given a situation that may have happened i was just telling you earlier i had a family member in the hospital for three months throughout the holidays if you think that there weren't days where i got worried or felt a little anxious waiting for a doctor to call or even a little bit sad right because person wasn't around christmas thanksgiving all these holidays right the difference that i see now is that i can actually say to myself okay i'm feeling a little icky right that, that feeling right it's not overbearing but i catch it and i will say to myself okay Lisa Marie, and I do have conversation like that with myself. <laughs> this is completely appropriate given the situation, right? Right. This is a normal response to, to not knowing what's going to happen. Sure. You know, having a loved one that you have no say in their in their care at the moment, right? When they've been hospitalized, um, sort of surrendering that. And I even recall it was like two weeks ago, and the person's still there, and I remember just saying okay, Lisa Marie, like, let's just feel it. Let's just feel it. Let's feel what it feels like to feel a little bit nervous right now. And let's write out the storm because it's going to be okay. Take a few deep breaths. Allow yourself to just be. Don't rush into anything. Don't force anything right now. If you have to cry, cry. If you need to be angry, be angry. I always tell people, make sure if you're going to take it out physically on an in um animate object right like we don't want any living beings or creatures being hurt but if you need to punch a pillow 
do that. If you need to put on glo- you know boxing gloves and go to the gym and punch a bag, sure. go do that. You have to release that energy. Um, and so for me now, like I said, I, I don't feel that overwhelmed. I don't get afraid when I'm afraid. I allow myself to feel it right. and, and sit with it and know that it will pass. That's the key. Yeah, you know, it's funny you say that too. One of the best things my mother ever taught me that I remember, and I, I quote my mother's sayings and stories in, uh, regularly in my life, but um, one of them was that she would say, you know, weather the storm, darling. We- weather the storm, you know? And I'd be like, oh, right. And it did. It became a part of my inner dialogue. Like when things were bleak or t- periods were tough and... I'd be like, yeah. you know what? It's a storm, but the storm's going to end. You know, yeah. it's darkest before the day is the other, you know, yeah. hackneyed phrase. But but it's true. Darkest before the dawn. So, you know, let's just weather the storm. And it was it gives immediate relief. You go, oh, yeah, yeah. This, is a, this is a storm and the weather is hard and harsh. And it this experience is negative and bad, but it will end. That's the key, too. And, and I think what happens for so many people, and I've seen this, I mean, even in myself to some extent, but then I was like, grateful to God I was able to be able to overcome that, but is this learned helplessness, right? Like, oh, God, this is what's happened to me, and now I'm going to give up even trying, right? right? Because what's the point? I've tried so many times to do the right thing. I've tried so many times to start the business. I've tried so many times to get the clients or, you know, whatever it is you're trying to improve. And it is about weathering the storm because you're going to get a lot of no's before you get a yes. It's true. You know, one of the best things, like I was telling you earlier um, about how I was just building up my mailing list. And it's like, I know about a mailing list. I've known it forever. I worked at a marketing firm, for God's sake, and we would help financial advisors build their mailing lists and convert their mailing lists into meaning, more meaningful relationships and, uh, and then get more introductions and referrals and everything. So, so I know all about it. And I'm like, good God. You know, I've got lists. I've got lists of, of, of mailing lists. I've, I've been writing phone lists and keeping... I've got, like, phone numbers from my old Nokia. You know, SIM card, SIM card... <laughs> all the way up to my iPhone, I can look in there and find phone numbers that don't even have an area code. And I know that they're 213 or 323 from when I was living in Hollywood from my original like Nokia phone. So uh, I know it's crazy and I have phone numbers anyway. But the thing is, I just started using a mailing list in this this year. Uh, But so the funny thing, the reason why I'm bringing that up is, is that I teach people about business and business practices and I, and I say, look, you've got to establish a complete business system. You don't just go, oh, I'm going to start a business and then everything starts going and you succeed and you close the client and it goes on from there. It's like, no, you need business development. You need other products for those clients to buy that are you know, up the value ladder. You've got to you know, um, file your taxes. And you know, I, I just yeah. finished, I only had one receipt left. My wife's been bugging me for my, my list of expenses. And I'm like, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then I check my receipts. There's only one from last year and I only need to enter one. You know, so it's like, you know, but you've got to do all the things. And when you take on a being, I'm going to be a business success, it's not just the decision and then you're done. It's like you've got to, have a, you've got to have a plan, you've got to 
you know, start documenting your practices and start public messages and business development and sign up clients and deliver the service. And there's so much more work to it. And people, if they, if they don't realize that, if they're not prepared for all of the work it takes, there, of course, anyone is going to say, oh, I'm failing. I'm not going to succeed. I'm not going to make it. It's like, well, I mean, come on. There's a lot more to it. And you, there's a lot more you've got to do in order to succeed. Yes, I, I could not agree with you more. I have seen clients that I've started to work with who, right from the get-go, it's like they're already defeated, right? Like, I've been doing this for three years. I can't get a client. Like, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm thinking about giving it up. And again, I'm not saying that people shouldn't explore. Sorry, I can hear that. I can hear planes in the background. I'm like, is my window open? But it's there's a base nearby, and I was like, what is that sound? It's so loud. Is my window open? Sorry, sorry. No, it's okay. I love the impromptu. I love the little. Like, I love. <laughs> I love casual conversation instead of scripted garbage. Um, anyway, so what was I saying about? Yeah, so about just feeling like already defeated, and and people saying like, I've tried everything, and I think I'm just gonna have to quit. You know and go get a job and that's not necessarily a bad thing that's the other thing too i don't want people to feel shameful if they feel like they don't want to have their own business like and they do want to go get a job like there's no shame in that i mean having a passion and following it that's where it's at it's not about you just having your own business that's true that's true what's that there's a book about that and it says you know sometimes people want their own business because they don't want a boss telling them what to do and when they, yeah, they go and leave and build up their own business and they go, wow, this is even harder. And I'm a harsher boss on myself than my whole boss was. I don't want to go back to getting a job. <laughs> you know, uh, not, yeah. not everyone's willing to do the work to be their own boss and run their own business. Absolutely. And it takes a tremendous amount of discipline. It takes a tremendous amount of focus, of persistence, of, uh, you know, just getting back up every time you get knocked down. Right. It takes patience, right? right? It takes time. Um, I often, you know, I laugh because in my phone, I have my alarm set for my lunch, right, every day, like my 30-minute lunch break. And one time I was out with my boyfriend, it was, I think, a weekend or something, but it just goes straight through, like, seven days, I just put it on there. And he was like, why Why is your alarm going off for lunch at, like, 12.30? And I said, oh, right. I said, well, because as my own boss, I have to make sure that I'm taking care of myself throughout the day. So I'm not going to book six calls in a row and not take a bathroom break or stretch break or a food break, right? Like I need to fuel my body. I need to work within my body's comfort zone and where I'm able to push and not push. And the whole point is, yeah, it's hard to be your own boss. (laughs) You look at it and you're like, oh my God, I I have to be like, Wear all the caps. I gotta do everything. Tell myself what to do, then do it. Reward myself or not. Like it's crazy. Right, but you got and you've got to be. I think you've got to be. That's one of the things that I work with people on as well. And that my aspiration is that I help people achieve the business of their aspiration. There you go. Right, because they aspire to be to have a good boss. They know what the boss should be doing. They will say what rewards they should be getting. I remember somebody asked me, and a senior executive asked me, what I wanted as a bonus, what would be a good incentive? 
you know, and they had mentioned it like a bicycle or, I mean, like, you know, it's kind of cool. Like, I mean, it's several hundred dollars. And I was like, you know what I would love is just like a $50 iTunes card. Yeah. Right? Because I love buying music. I love finding music on Pandora or, or whatever, adding it to my likes and then being able to search in my wish list on, on iTunes or in Pandora or wherever it is and then buy those songs that I really like so that I own them. Even though I own them in, you know, I've got like a streaming service or whatever. Um, I've had I, the Apple one and we currently have the Amazon. My, my wife likes the Amazon one that they have. Uh, hooked up with a little speakers around the house, you know. Um, there's one in my daughter's room. She loves it. Um, but yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's what I would like. And she's like, really, an iTunes card? And she's fighting me over what I want. No, 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 it's going to be something like a bicycle or some like real thing. You know, like, like you know, something substantial. And I'm like, geez, if you don't want me to want what I want, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. But the reason I'm saying that is because you've got to be that same good boss to yourself and to others that you aspire to be. You've still got, you've got to have like good regular hours and a healthy vibrant business and doing really well and being prosperous and creating the environment that you aspire to have you want to you've got to create that too and i want to help people do that uh, it, it sounds like you too you know you got to be your own boss and you got to sometimes you even have to set your alarm off just to remind you hey i'm going to take lunch right now otherwise i i might work through lunch yeah because somehow somewhere and i know it's not like this everywhere but in corporate America, or I'll say even in industrialized nations, um, you know, there's this glorification of not taking a break, right? right? I don't need a break. I can work straight through. I'll just sit at my computer and chow down on whatever this garbage is in the vending machine and, you know, drink eight, you know, eight gallons of coffee a day. And, and then when you're the person who wants to get up and take a lunch, everybody's looking at you like you're nuts. I've had that experience, and it, I mean, in all in all areas, like whether I was a cashier working in a retail store or working as a teacher, right? right. It was like, oh, you want to actually get a lunch break? No, that's not going to happen. Like, we just got to eat in between, like when the kids are coming in and out, you know, because you got to walk the kids down to lunch, then you got to go back, and then you got to go pick them up, and it's like, by the time the teacher sits down, there's like seven minutes lunch left in a lunch period. It's ridiculous, right? Right, it's terrible. And yet we expect them to be on top of their game, overseeing classrooms of 25-plus kids, and we want to, you know, chastise them and beat them up if every kid in the class isn't getting these stellar scores on this common core stuff. Right. No, no, I I won't. (laughs) Conversation for another day. Exactly. But I've worked in, like, so many different areas. It didn't matter if... Uh, you know, I was once a pharmacy tech at one of these big box chain pharmacies. And I remember the first day I was there and I, and I think I asked, I said, well, would it be okay if I took my 15 minutes? All I wanted to do was get some fresh air, you know, have a yogurt or something just to hold me over. And it was sort of like, oh, you, you, okay, you really need the 15 minutes? And I'm like, um, entitled to the 15 minutes, right? Right. But yet, at this big particular store, which I won't mention, you know, it's not uncommon for the pharmacist to stand on the podium for like an eight-hour shift and not move. That's crazy. It's not healthy. It's not, not healthy, healthy at all. 
yeah. You know, it's um, you know, I usually have about half an hour, by the way, so we're we're coming near to the end of that half an hour. We're going to do this again. I love talking with you, by the way, Lisa. I love talking with you. Thank you. Um, but um, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting point. I've observed this consistently in America. I think it's way more true in America, especially now. Uh, and it's this whole idea, just exactly what you're saying, like. Um, it's this enforcement of the, you know, working extra hours, working, coming in early, staying late uh, and working over lunch and this glorification of overwork. Um, I, I've had to fight with my own self on this matter in the course of my life. Probably, again, 20 years ago, I, I was, you know, addressing how I would just push my body and not sleep very much and, and not be eating and the days would go by and I'd go, oh, really, I need to take a nap and let me just make sure I have breakfast this morning and lunch and, you know, but it would be this, it would be, um, I was somehow less because of it. And I, and I know that part of what in the process that I've taken to become the business owner that I am now I'm, and working with businesses uh, with the aspiration of helping them be the true as aspiration that they have, this healthy business, successful business, etc. Like, and I'm doing that myself. Like, I make sure I take go for walks, take breaks, that yeah. encourage that. And you know what? In the end, I get so much more done. Uh, I, I get so much more done. I'm so much more organized. I've been enforcing taking walking breaks. Um, you know probably before I even start with my clients um I've already taken two 10 15 minute breaks to go for a walk and clear my head I hear you I hear you my friend I work out at 8 a.m or 9 a.m every morning and I don't start taking clients till usually around 10 or 10 30 or even 11 um but I have to do the self-care first you have I to. have to get my body up and moving especially I mean I have some chronic conditions that you know i developed as a result of a car accident and so about this neck and shoulder thing that i have to be on top of i need to take care of that to right. feel good right and so that all gets done in the morning then i have a normal day and then if i choose to go back out and go to the gym or something i can do that but this stuff has to come in the morning because if you don't i'm not saying it has to be for everybody but for me it does because i know what will happen otherwise for me too I'll push it off push yeah. it off push it off yeah. then it's nine o'clock at night and you're tired you just want to lay down so again that's on my that's on my calendar it's on my alarm every day time to exercise meditation time blocked into the calendar all right well be. yeah good well um you know, thanks for taking us through how you do what you do. Thanks for all the other stories too. Uh, Thank you. Uh, you're very, very welcome. You're very welcome. Um, I think it's so important to uh, help people establish best practices, you know, in how they approach their life and how they do what they do to accomplish what they aspire to. And it sounds like you're a big advocate for that. Really, my whole mission in this life is very fairly simple. It's to just make the world a better place in whatever little pocket of the you know world that I'm in. If I can help another person to hold on and see the light at the end of the dark tunnel or be the inspiration for them that they keep pushing and going after their dreams, then, then I feel like my life purpose has been fulfilled. 
Nice. Well, that's that's probably what we have to call this episode. Something to do with that because it's like having a positive influence within your sphere of influence. Having a positive direction, providing positive direction within your sphere of influence. Right. That's probably the the quote unquote unsolicited advice of the episode. Yeah, so be positive. Oh man, it's a real pleasure. It's a real pleasure, Lisa. All right, well, that's it, guys. Thank you again for listening. This is one of those longer episodes, as I sometimes do, but obviously, when I have a guest, you're only my second guest, by the way, Lisa. Uh, I think you're episode 47, maybe 48, something like that. Um, And there's only two two guests so far. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. They happen to be they happen to be back to back as well, like. My last guest was the last episode and that I posted, and you're the next episode, so my listeners are going to be shocked. Wow, this is unsolicited advice from other people, too. I feel so honored. Well, thank you, thank you. Glad to have you, and guys, see you in the next one. Bye.